May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So it's finally spring. This is what the weather was like when I came to interview for this job, and the search committee said, oh, it's always like this. I guess I'm pretty gullible, right? But when it becomes spring, it becomes baseball season, and my thoughts turn to baseball, and one of the gifts that you all gave me when I arrived was this Boston Red Sox hat, which is a little tough to wear being a lifelong Orioles fan, but I wore it yesterday, and I'm kind of getting used to it. I was happy to see in the paper this morning that our Red Sox did win, so all is good until those Yankees arrive, right? So I am a baseball fan, and back in the 1980s, I used to watch the Baltimore Orioles play in Memorial Stadium, which is about the same vintage as the original Fenway Park. It was built in 1954, seated about 31,000 people, and it was located in a residential neighborhood in Baltimore. No parking garage, because most people walked. It was part of the ritual of being a fan part of the experience. My husband at the time and I would leave work downtown, park our car at home, change into comfortable clothes, call our friends on the telephone to arrange a spot to meet, because of course this is pre-cell phones, and head off. It was a couple of miles, a good 45 minute walk from our house to the stadium. At first, when we left the house, it was just us, a young couple out for a brisk evening walk. But as we headed south and east, more and more people would be walking with us, around us, and there was energy in the air. There were people sitting out on their steps with their radios on, tuned in to the game. Children with lemonade stands out on the sidewalk. And as you got closer, you could see the lights in the sky of the stadium as the sun went down. By the time we were half a mile away, we were part of a crowd, all ages, gathering, streaming in from every direction, walking toward the game on a spring evening. This morning, when you woke up, you decided to come here. You got dressed, perhaps you had breakfast, or maybe just coffee. You might have walked or driven, but you left your homes and you gathered here. From everywhere, Concord, Acton, Littleton, Arlington, Bedford, Maynard, Carlisle, Chelmsford, Lincoln, West Concord, from all these different directions, you came. That moment when you were still at home is actually the beginning of our liturgy. When you make the decision to make your way to this place, to gather together, you are bearing witness to our identity as the church. I stand outside there most Sundays not only to greet you as you enter, but as I watch you come from all different directions and then up the stairs, 
That's the beginning of our worship together. The body of Christ recreated and embodied every week. So our worship began today not when Becky said that opening collect, but as you made your way here to assemble together as the body of Christ. We don't really go to church. We are the church. Many people get confused about this, about the church. They think it is a spectator event, like a baseball game, or entertainment, like the theater or the symphony. Now, we do have beautiful music and very intentional prayers and ritual and beauty and drama. But nothing can actually happen in here without all of us here together. While a play could be a stinker and no one buys a ticket, they can still do the play on the stage. Or a sporting event in a really rainy day and nobody shows up, they still play the baseball game. It can happen without an audience. But there is no church without all of us. We are the church. Each member of the body of Christ has a part in what happens here. The liturgy, which begins when you wake up and start heading this way, is impossible without the assembly of all of us together. And a subtle point, and when we are here, you're not the audience. Who's the audience? It's a trick question. God. God is the audience. Our Eucharist, our thanksgiving to God, our singing, our prayers, these are corporate acts, something that we do in community to God. In a few minutes, when we baptize Carter, it will be all of us who will welcome him into the body of Christ. And we will all promise to support him and his family as they live among us as part of this gathered body. So how do we describe what this body is, this family that each of us belongs to? Scripture tells us that we are children of God, and we boldly pray each week, Our Father. We address God as Father in prayer, as Jesus invites us to do. And we are indeed beloved children of God and sisters and brothers in Christ with one another through our baptism. This is a profound and mysterious relationship which we celebrate and frankly sometimes we struggle with, like all familial relationships. We are the church, brothers and sisters in Christ, together as one body, one family. In today's gospel reading, however, Jesus uses different language to describe his hopes for the disciples and for us. He calls the disciples his friends. He calls us friends and reminds us that we are to be friends with one another. Friendship. A relationship of choice, of mutuality. Friends are people with whom we have fun and share meals and talk about our struggles and tell jokes. Friends are people we love 
Maybe even people we sacrifice a great deal for. Now, family members can be friends too, of course. But often the richest friendships are the unexpected ones. Because if a friend grows up in a different family, they don't have all the family baggage that we have, right? They, know, they have a different perspective. They know a different way, a different way of being. So those unexpected friendships. Perhaps you recognize a friend in the making when you are humming the same song as you wait in line at Crosby's. Or maybe you swap out your usual week to do altar guild and work with someone you may know, but in those quiet moments of preparing the altar for worship, some seeds of friendship can bloom. Yesterday, lots of friends were here and new friendships were made. Who was here yesterday? Raise your hand. Okay, so some of you are going to know already what I'm talking about. There were 65 of us, give or take, all ages from our Trinity family, working side by side out there on the porch and in the parish hall, and we made 13 beds for local children who up until yesterday had no bed of their own to get a good night's sleep. It was a spirit-filled time. And I saw Buck, who is proudly 90 years old, and Giselle, who is proudly 8 years old, becoming friends as they assembled and painted a bed together. I saw Rod and Linda teaming up with a young helper so he could learn how to use power tools. There was a lot of fun yesterday. There were dads and moms and kids and sisters and brothers laughing and working hard, simply enjoying one another's company as friends. I realized that there's something about a project that encourages that mutuality that we sometimes lack at home or in the workplace or even on the sports field. At the end of the afternoon, Two-year-old Catherine arrived, picked up a paintbrush, a grown-up paintbrush, and painted a bed with just as much skill and determination and joy as everybody else. So she was completely included in something. There was a bountiful and delicious lunch, which was lovingly prepared and served by friends, and conversations around the lunch table were perhaps the beginning of new friendships. Earlier earlier in the morning, before this even started, Becky and I met with some of you who are exploring what it means to be confirmed in the church, to make the baptismal promises that we will say today, to make those promises for yourselves. I pray that this group of seven young people will deepen their friendships with one another as they read and pray and serve together over the next few months. I met with the parents, and I pray that they will find new friendships as they love their children in faith, navigate the challenges of raising adolescents in this complicated world. And I pray that parents will deepen their own relationships with God. At the end of the day, 
I visited a friend who's dying. We shared communion. And we talked about who Jesus will have with him as he greets her. What friends will have their arms open wide alongside his to welcome her in eternal love into the communion of saints? I call you friends, Jesus says to each one of us. Jesus invites us to look at each other and see a friend and to love that friend as he loves us with joy and grace, truth and curiosity. My friends, we don't go to church. We are the church. As we gather here, we are his body. The meal we share is how we feed and nurture and strengthen our individual bodies and Christ's body, all of us together. Leander Harding, an Episcopal priest and seminary professor, says it better than I can say it. It's a bit of a long quote, but listen, because it's, he's so spot on. He writes, Our society is a society in which there is great loneliness and many people live very isolated lives. The experience of a body of people united in community and engaged in a common act that gives their lives meaning and value is for many an almost unknown experience. But this is exactly what the Eucharist is. So it is most important that we understand who we are meant to be as we offer the holy sacrifice in, with, and through Christ. And that we allow that knowledge to transform our lives together inside and outside the church. We come together not as a passive audience, but as a people called by Christ to a new society, a new brotherhood and sisterhood, and I would add, friends of Jesus, friends with one another, called to have the leading role in God's drama to communicate God's redeeming love to one another and to the world. You are the church. You come from east and west, from north and south, to eat at the table of our Lord. We have the banquet here, a foretaste of God's heavenly kingdom. We have living waters of baptism. We have a new friend, a new brother in Christ, Carter Joseph, any minute. We have fellowship in the Holy Spirit, that giver of life and love that animated our work yesterday. It matters. It matters that you're here, that we are here together. It matters that we open our eyes, our hearts, our hands to those in need. It matters that we invite and encourage one another to come together here in this place, in real time, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices of praise and prayer to the God of creation. I call you friends, Jesus says, so that you may love one another.
In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may it be so.